Hello and welcome to Rewild My Bio. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode that I am doing all by myself. Yeah, no, I thought that I would do this solo episode. Um, did a couple in the beginning. I uh, did a lot, put a lot of work into those ones because they were, I guess, the first episode of the podcast. And I thought it was important to kind of throw down the vibe I was going for. This one, however, is being recorded from Divine Inspiration. And essentially, the Love Day vibe in the air. So Valentine's Day just passed. It is the morning after Valentine's Day. And I'm waiting to record a podcast with Eric Godsey, someone who I met down in Costa Rica at Solterra Healing Center. So I thought, <coughs> excuse me, I thought, why not record this podcast? I was reflecting this morning on love had an awesome evening with friends, very dear friends, very dear loved ones, and uh, did a bunch of games for Valentine's Day night, so that was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, today I just got me thinking about what love is, and I thought it's not something that, this question is something I've asked myself many years ago. It's something that I became interested in as a, as a health coach, finding out what people love, what their passions are, what their dreams are, were it was very much a part of my practice and the way I worked with clients. Um, I had formal training, I guess, as a holistic lifestyle coach through the Czech Institute. So actually a lot of what I had come to originally uh, learn about love came from uh, these uh, programs through the Czech Institute and through, I guess, Paul Czech's uh, research and meditations on the subject. And since then, however, I have developed my own, you know, take on what love is, and actually more so recently, I had just attended, as I had said, um, Solterra Healing Center, which is a center that uses ayahuasca, which is a brew that is made of two different plants mainly. It originated within the Amazon basin um, down in Peru and the Amazon jungle. And this plant, if... I believe it's been talked, I've talked about a lot about psychedelic plants here on the show. Um, but if you don't know, yeah, this plant has been used for thousands of years, essentially, um, as a way of connecting to a higher source, spirit, God, the universe, the ocean of love, as we'll come to talk about today. Um, and this thing, and this medicine rather is also great at helping people heal past traumas as well. So I went down there for a whole host of reasons um, as a kind of curious spiritual adventure I am. Um, I had done ayahuasca in 2014 down in Peru and uh, just life circumstances and what have you. I thought five years later that I was ready to go back. So in those ceremonies, uh, part of my journey down there was to heal some of the trauma that I had been through in regards to my divorce and I thought as I often do is to uh, kind of clear out the clutter um, through my meditation practice right so looking into the painful spots looking into the dark areas the shadow if you will and kind of seeing what's there exactly so that I can become a better version of myself and 
ayahuasca ceremonies are kind of the, at least in my experience, the supreme when it comes to, um, you know, shining a flashlight, our default mode network kind of becomes disabled, which is a part of our brain that kind of tries to maintain some boundaries and some, some, or, uh, some, I guess boundaries. Yeah. Some, something ordinary to this world so that we can actually function. These plant medicines can disable or downregulate this function in our body so that whatever needs to come through essentially can come through. And I think that, um, my use of this plant has, has helped me very much in the past. It helped me kind of get a deeper understanding of the fabric of the universe that we are all part of. And, uh, I guess to try to wrap this around to rewilding, which is not really my purpose, but like, yeah, for me, um, I got a sense of spirituality through these, um, well, before this, obviously leading up to my first ayahuasca ceremonies, but this kind of really unlocked something that made sense to me as from our spiritual body, as you'll often hear, and I'm going to talk about today. Um, but we are a physical body. We are an energetic body or a soul. We are also a spiritual body, or we also have a spiritual body. And it's not always as easy to see because we are trapped here in this 3D dimension, essentially. We are in this this realm. The physical kind of takes precedence for us. So it's neat. This Through these practices, through these ceremonies, I've been able to kind of get a foot in both worlds, and it's been really, really beneficial to my outlook on life and and everything. So, um, but speci- and what I mean by everything is what love is, because through these experiences, through my research, through, again, just through my life trials and tribulations, I've come to at least experience love in such a way that I think it is beneficial here to share on this podcast because my, as I was kind of alluding to earlier, I don't think I fully wrapped that around, but my spirit, my sense of spirituality is now based in nature. I find um, that through tracking nature and being in nature and connecting with nature, I am closer to my spiritual body. So it's a little easier for me when I'm walking in nature, this might be the same for you, but to kind of feel like whatever's on your mind that day, or maybe the aches or pains that you have, kind of, they all just seem to dissipate. And that's essentially a stepping more so into our energetic body, where we know, have a deeper understanding in that, in that body or in that dimension, that everything is going to be all right. So through nature, I'm able to kind of step into that energetic body or the soul body. And that's kind of the intermedium between our spiritual bodies and our physical, right? So this is where we're using intuition and we're kind of um, sinking into the silence, sinking into the gap, so to speak. And that's why I've come to, I mean, love nature, yes, always have, but really I've come to use it as a tool for my awakening and kind of moving through these different realms of consciousness or levels of consciousness and getting and through this having a better understanding of what love is so i'm going to try to keep this podcast to an hour as always given the flow that i got going here today i think it could be a little all over the place but so is this subject but i do have a little bit of a some scribblings down here in front of me um that i've been working on this morning i have uh I have my journal that I took with me 
down to Costa Rica with me. So I'm actually going to read that story. So it's going to get quite uh, wild and weird here today. Um, yeah, and then we're going to kind of get into, I guess, after my story, kind of get into some teachables in regards to, say, like, um, or I guess teachables for me, things that I had kind of landed after this ceremony about love. And that's just it. It is totally my my experience, my take, what I got out of it. I'd love to hear if this resonates with you guys. I'd love to hear if you've had similar experiences, say through plant medicines or say through just a really good meditation or what have you. Um, but yeah, I would love to get feedback as to, because the interesting thing about ayahuasca and, and a lot of plant medicine journeys is there are similarities throughout. So I have, um, in sitting with inner circles, um, hearing a few other participants' uh, journeys, it was very similar to this one that I had been on um, that I'm going to speak about here today. And it was also very similar to uh, experience I had in my first round of ceremonies back in 2014 that was also um, very similar and totally, again, changed my perspective on the universe. So um, at the end, I'm going to wrap up things with some tools to cultivate love because that's the important thing. We're going to talk about how love is very much the fabric of the universe. Um, and my story will kind of I guess, add some context as to how it is that I had come to know or how it is that I have come to know this and that love is really all there is. All you need is love, right? As the Beatles had sung. Um, so yeah, it sounds cliche, but very, very true. And um, I will I will give a definition. I mean, I guess a quick definition of what is love. It is the fabric of the universe. If I were to say one really quick one right now, this being the intro of the show, kind of just now wrapping up, but yeah, love is the fabric of the universe. It's what puts energy into motion. Um, and I personally do love love. And I've come to love love because of a life with a lot of adversity. Tough love, right? Learning from the school of hard knocks. Um, love or pain rather is a teacher. And it allows us to love more fully as we will be chatting about today. So I realize now from these plant medicine journeys, from all these practices that I know that I am pure love. I just need to remember this and orientate myself to this in order to cultivate it. Um, yeah, today we're going to talk about the two realms of love. So the unconditional um, realm or the, and then the egoic realm of love or the egoic realms of love. So kind of coming from different spots, but there are very much two, two sides to what love is. We're going to chat about those today. Um, and yeah, other than that, Let's get right at this show. Welcome to Rewild My Bio, a self-help and alternative health podcast. I'm your host, Sean Slade. Join me as I share stories, science, and strategies to help you rewild your biology and redefine your biography. So, like I say, pretty early, had a late night, thinking about love. Let's talk about love. Let's make love through this podcast today, together. Now, that'd kind of be weird, but um, yeah, I'm going to share my passion about love, as I already said in the intro. Uh, I became 
aware of most of this stuff, as again, I said in the intro, from a mentor of mine, Paul Check. Uh, I love his definition. And I'm going to throw that out there really quick because it kind of has been a guiding. Uh, it's been it's been the guiding light for me through my exploration of what love is to me. And one of his definitions is that it's consciousness becoming aware of itself. And that is a great place for us to start because we're going to start to talk a lot about consciousness and different realms and again, things that might not make sense to a lot of people unless you were to experience it. But it is something that I have experienced. It is something that I know and uh, I don't need to justify that. No one needs to justify that. If you've had an experience and you have your definition of love, um, it is what it is. So we all have our experience. So that's great. But anyways, yeah, so I want to start with that because I guess for me, love's a feeling I have for people in my life, right? It's uh, it's basic. Yeah, I know I kind of got deep with my first definition, which is it's the fabric of the universe. But it is. It's a, it kind of is. If you look at it like this, it's what I have for people in my life who make up like the fabric of my life it are like my parents, my siblings, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my friends, the ones I grew up with, the ones I met later in the life, the ones I work with, the people in my community, my neighbors. Um, it's, a fe- it's a feeling and it varies, I guess, based on the individual, based on the depth of our relationship, right? Um, I also know that there's a steady current, more like an undercurrent, if you will, that is in all things. It's always there, whether or not I'm conscious of it or not, it is there. And what I love about other people is normally something that I love in myself. And I think that's really neat. So, you know, my dad loves cars and car racing. I'm actually, have a huge passion for cars. And like cars don't really fit with a lot of other things. Say like if you were to put me in like a lifestyle as like this rewilder guy that, you know, wants to not pollute the earth, like cars, like car racing, right? Like think of the gas that's burned, but like I do, I, I have this passion for it and it's something that we, we share an interest in, right? So, um, and there's many other examples of, you know, what we see in someone else is something we probably admire in ourselves. And, and the opposite is true as well, right? Which we'll get into later on. But as I said in, in the beginning, all you need is love, truly. I mean, yes, roof over your head, shelter, warmth, um, other than that, you know, water, obviously. Um, but yeah, just love. That's all we need. And um, yeah, so I guess with that said, I should share my story into my, I guess was this would have been, so I'll give the lay of the land. I kind of already did in the intro about ayahuasca and visions. I did the, you know, a quick, quick job on that here for this purposes. And I think everybody gets where I'm coming from. The psychedelic. So I went on a journey with an intention, and these intentions are guideposts, right, throughout the experience. So as I mentioned in the beginning, I had gone through and cleaned out some clutter that needed to be cleaned out and sat with some pretty heavy shit in the first two ceremonies. So at Solterra, there are four ceremonies, and these ceremonies are done in a Shipibo tradition. Um, so the Shipibo people are an uh, indigenous group of people that are from the uh, Amazon jungle in Peru. And... So that was really amazing for me to experience that whole tradition because I found it very powerful in the way the healers um, work with the medicine. So first two ceremonies, the first one being kind of like an easier go where we all did like um, a half cup of the brew. So it was um, a gentle night. 
But for me, it was like, oh yeah, I remember this. My second night, which I actually talked about this in a podcast, uh, The Thought Room, while I was down there. And I had done that podcast in between ceremonies two and three. So I basically explained the nightmare that was that ceremony. And it was very challenging through that lot of growth. If you want to check out that story, you can yeah check out that podcast. The third night, if I would have done that podcast after the third night, I would have had different things to say because it was so impactful and revealing. And after having cleaned out some clutter, I wanted to have a deeper understanding of what love is. So I actually had asked um, Mother Ayahuasca, as it said, the energy of this plant somewhat having like this teacher, motherly, nurturing vibe. Um, So that's why they call it Mother Ayahuasca. But yeah, no, I had, well, my, my intention was this, teach me about love. And that intention got switched up about halfway through the night. And I'm going to basically read here now from my journal that I wrote down in uh, Costa Rica after this ceremony, so the next day. Um, so after drinking the medicine, it kind of came on somewhat. Uh, that night I drank a full cup right off the hop, and it kind of came on slow, and some visuals were coming, which is common with uh, ayahuasca. You're seeing these, like, what are known as, like, DMT, so dimethyltryptophan uh, geometric shapes and colors. If you've ever done psychedelics, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but they're coming at me, and I'm kind of navigating through them, feeling at peace. Um, but I could get a sense that I was full of love that night, like just instantly. And it's interesting how this intention kind of really formed this night. And it was such a different night than the night before. I was able to experience such peace and oneness with everything I had kind of stepped into, as I'll explain this, like God consciousness, where I had no sense of self. And yeah, I could get a sense when the medicine came on, I was love. Um, I had nothing but like full of love for myself and that I had this deep, quick download that there is love, like really quick, like teach me about love. Okay, here's this. Love is in everything. Love is in laughter. Love is in sadness um, everywhere. So I was like quickly kind of shown images and visions of different areas of my life, of like strangers' lives, just weird images of like, In death, there's just love. It's there. And it started to become, and how I could see that was like, basically, if you could imagine, say, the movie The Matrix, where uh, Neo, Neo, Keanu Reeves, sees the ones and zeros at the end of the movie. It wasn't ones and zeros for me, but it was like a web of like electrical type um, geometric lines and and yeah, three-dimensional lines. (laughs) And this was love. This was the fabric and everything. So as, you know, I would see, say, a car accident and I would see the love and the people around despite the death. I'd see laughter at a young kid's birthday party. And I'd see images from my life that were where I couldn't see the love. I could see the love. I could go back and see how it was there the whole time. And I just was in a spot where my Sean consciousness or my ego, if you will, was not allowing me to see or receive or give the love at the time that was essentially everything that was needed. All I needed was the love, right? And love is everything and that's what needed to be there. But I I was able to kind of stop that flow, right? Based on um, 
I guess, where I was at in my levels of love, as I'll kind of chat about later when I talk about the realms of love. And this is, again, this story kind of like showing how this one realm of love, the unconditional realm or the omnipresent love that is the fabric of everything, we can't normally see this or interact with it. So obviously this, this plant medicine, like so grateful for this experience because this time in, in 2014, cause again, it's just, um, wow. Like I got a glimpse of essentially this web of love. So on the outer edge of the universe or our universe, many different theories on universe, universe and multiverse and all this type of stuff. But at the edge of our universe is basically expanding outward and it's, there's an edge to it. And I was essentially catapulted to this outer edge riding a wave watching think like watching this edge of our universe and I was able to call in different people throughout my life and see how love can just flow between us and this web and be recharged essentially cultivating endless never ending eternal love it was the best feeling I've ever had in my life like um and I guess I should say, like, this was the beginning of my journey. The action—I'm I'm looking down here at my notes or at my journal—and the medicine kind of wore off after I had been sung to by one of the maestros. So one of the healers. Um, there was two, a husband and wife. They would come around in a circle and they would sing individual songs or akiros to all the participants. So you'd get one from the male and one from the female. And this would go on, you know, let's say, I think 20-some folks in the room and or in the Maloka, which is the temple. Um, and they would go around, um, and it probably took about like four hours, I guess, for the whole ceremony. Um, so anyways, after I was sung to, which is somewhat early on um, by the, the male shaman, I had somewhat sobered up. Um, so I sobered up. As you may know, with ayahuasca, there is the purging. So I uh, had a purge, um, a butt purge, as I comically came to call them with all the other participants because that was kind of the it's kind of the season I was in was butt purges. So anyways, um, so went to the bathroom, did a butt purge, came back, sat for a little bit because um, the night before I had actually thought I sobered up, drank more medicine right when I sat back down after drinking. So basically, if you need more medicine, you would turn on, a, uh, you have a red light, you would turn that light on. And one of the facilitators um, that work with the shaman and work for the healing center, um, who are essentially ayahuascaros, who had have drank ayahuasca many, many times. And they, um, they will come over and ask what you need. And so anyways, the night that I um, had asked, I went up and... Uh, you know, he's checking in, just seeing how you're, how, how you're doing in the medicine space, as they say. And, uh, the male facilitator, uh, had said, uh, oh, you seem pretty sober. Do you want the bottle? And I'm like, uh, no thanks. But so anyways, this, the, the, that was, I was going back to the second night. Um, I had gone up and drank more and yeah, as soon as I hit the pillow again, the visions came back on. So I knew that I wanted to wait. So this time I waited and I was quite sober. So it, kind of made me chuckle and had the medicine and I was amazed to see that I went right back to that web of love but this time I went deeper and I failed to mention the first time around um I recently my uncle had passed away lost his battle with cancer and in the beginning there before I had come gone up to take my second cup 
the uh, he had come in in this ghostly, different figure, different realm, if you will. Like he, his presence was there, essentially. And and then again, if you've heard of individuals ayahuasca stories, you may know that um, this is not uncommon. And anyways, um, so he was in there, and this the next when I sat back down, he came back. We had a lovely dialogue. It was. I mean, not to the purposes of what love is, but I was able to get a deeper understanding of love. Um, I had helped my aunt take care of him right up to his passing, I guess I should say. So I was very much involved in his uh, in his healing plan and then also his his passing, essentially, right? So very um, something, you know, it's a horrible thing to obviously see with someone you love. And uh, so it was quite emotional while I was in the medicine space as we're chatting back and forth just about how things were. And it, ju- it was just an amazing experience. But anyways, after that, I was able to call in my mom and my dad and I was able to see their love for me and feel it and just know like its depths. And then, um, you know, bringing in ex-lovers, old friends, new friends, whoever I wanted to bring in and just like watching this web of love kind of just like feed them with love that they needed to heal and whatever, um, whatever they needed essentially. And it finished, this whole thing kind of finished with me, um, everyone kind of saying, looking at me and saying, now you need to receive love. And it was the biggest, one of the biggest downloads that I got that whole week because it's kind of always been my thing is just not accepting love. I'm always big on giving it, but I'm not so big on receiving it and just being open to, you know, letting others love me. So I sat there and basically I'm, I mean, I'm lying on my back on my mat. I'm in this space. Like I have awareness of my body still at this point. Um, and I'm just like accepting and feeling it and how nice it feels to receive love right and it recharged me and you know i'm sitting on my back and my hands are kind of like you can't see my hands right now but my hands are kind of like kind of like fingers fiddling and uh just like like i'm a like i'm a conductor of an orchestra that's playing soft like flute music if you will so my hands are just kind of like playing with this web of love and um just an amazing amazing experience that's where um, so right in the second time, that's when I had switched up my um, intention. I guess you should say that. I switched my intention to teach me about unconditional love, all right? And this is, again, coming from having a little bit of, I've done, having done research and, um, you know, knowing that there are different forms of love, which we'll get into here. I wanted to know more about the unconditional side of things. So this is why I think this second time, obviously with more medicine, went much deeper um, so deep that I was on that outer edge of basically where if I were to step outside of that, and again, this is a, just a deep knowing that I had whilst being in there, also through my uh, different you know trainings and things like that in shamanic journey and understanding that on this edge of the eternal, if I were to step through that barrier that I had said is the, you know, the edge of our universe, I would have essentially kind of went into oblivion, like just totally no concept of self. And I decided to step into that. So I basically made the conscious decision or ask if it's like, what is beyond that? And I decided to dip my toe into that. And as soon as I touched this web itself, I had, again, it kind of, a, I guess the next hour or so, 
I was so deep into this outer realm of love that it started to become somewhat a little unnerving. I didn't like it so much. Um, totally lost who I was. And through this, I'm lucky I did have some training in, say, shamanic journey in that because um, basically I was like out in the outer edges of the cosmos and had no way to really navigate my way back, right? I got to this outer edge, then I dipped my toe in it, and then I got lost and I didn't have a map to get home. So it was a practice of surrender. Um, through this, I think I got many downloads that I don't even think I'm consciously aware of quite yet. Um, I spent a lot of time out there. During this time, a fellow participant that was sitting next to me was have a, having a challenging night and I was somewhat coming in and out of the room now and then. And so I was basically had decided that while I'm out there, I might as well cultivate this kind of love that I'm on and send it to the healers that were working with this individual at the end of the ceremony to help him through his difficult time. So it was um, super, super powerful. I made it back. I had a polar bear uh, figure with me and I had a mapacho, uh, basically sacred tobacco that we use in ceremony. And I basically was able to grab onto those two things. I had a medicine pouch there as well. So I was able to grab onto this, slowly work my way back up into the room. And from there, um, started to obviously start to, I tried not to question because the first time I had gone to these outer realms down in Peru, I started to immediately question, where was I? What was that? Oh my gosh. This time I knew that I was there again. And so I just kind of let my brain just sit there and um, kind of just, just be. I, I remember having like a little mantra saying, let Sean's brain deal with this tomorrow. Right now, let your higher self or spiritual self just, uh, you know, be in the now, I guess. So yeah, very, very powerful experience, as I've said many times, but it was uh, a huge understanding and I got many, many downloads from all of this. So that's my story, essentially. Let's wrap that up in a nice, neat little way, in some way that we can. I wanted to share this with you guys because I think it's important to know the source of our love. If we say, I love you to someone, where, what is the source of that love? What is it based on? What is love, right? And I say that whole story because as I've often read is that yes, there is this source of love or unconditional love or God's love, God consciousness that is essentially something that we can tap into through many different practices, practices that we've lost in the Western world today. And I've had other experiences not needing plant medicines to reach this space. I've had shamanic journeys. I've had meditations. I've had craniosacral uh, treatments. I've had so many different there's so many different ways to access this space, right? Um, you know, Tai Chi, Qigong, all these different um, different modalities. There's we there's ways we can access this. So, I think the source of love is important, and I know that I might be losing some of you guys. Probably already lost you, but <laughs> if uh, you know the atheist folks out there, the atheists may be rewilder, right? That I think is a thing in maybe want to just kind of acknowledge the primal nature of our existence, which is, which is fine. Everyone's at a different stage or not a different stage rather, but a different realm working through different realms of love. And that's totally cool. But um, again, without knowing the source of our love, it 
kind of becomes uh, the foundation of it is shaky and weak at best, right? Like we need to know what it's based on. What's our truth? Where is it coming from? Um, if it's atheism, it's maybe just the, the laws of nature or what have you, then there, I mean, I guess we could still say that, like we could see love. Um, I mean, I can experience love as walking through nature. So there is a source and I think it is important to know. So I, I call it God, call it universe. God wasn't something I've ever said growing up in Christian family. God was used for the God that I had learned at Sunday school as a kid. It doesn't really resonate with me so much anymore. However, through my spiritual practices, I, I've come full circle and I realize now what, you know, I've started using God again because I understand now what God is truly meant when it is, you know, said in the Bible, right? Rather than all this dogmatic different takes and everything that religion has now come to be. So, two types of love, the unconditional love, which is the omnipresent force, which we, again, had I had visited there. And I guess maybe this is a good time for me to kind of go through and, and some, say some bullet points as to what I had learned from that experience. So when I was there, I had learned that love doesn't hurt unless ego is involved. And sometimes here love hurts and yes love can hurt but that's not the unconditional love that unconditional love guides us pain can come through our interactions in the world but that unconditional love is always there always waiting for us to tap into it um so yeah without the ego we can't we can't really even come to experience love we can't come to know what it is that we are loving, what are we directing our love towards, right? Um, another thing that I had, had written down here as a big learn learning point, which kind of seems heavy to just drop here, right, like this, but it's uh, wake up to this. Soon the people we think we are will be dead. So again, that's why I'm kind of saying this, because sometimes we get so trapped in the local mindset, the problems of the modern, of our modern day, of our of our current day, our personal day, um, what might be on our plate, the bills that we have to pay, all these things, they, all these things, they essentially are distracting us from the fact that we are love. This is the basis for everything. So sometimes we don't realize this until we're dead, right? Or until we have these plant medicine experiences or until we have, you know, near death experiences or until we have, you know, long, have practiced meditation often, habitually, regularly, right? Um, love is in all things at all times through laughter, as I kind of had already said. It's the very fabric of our existence and it's powerful and it's hard to comprehend. I remember being in the medicine space and I remember getting this kind of download that like, oh, this is why people are addicted to drugs and alcohol. It's because we experience love so much, sometimes for others, for ourselves, or we sometimes we don't experience love and we want to fill that with a feeling that gets us close to this oneness, God conscious, this unconditional ocean of love way of, way of being, right? It's a wonderful thing. It's something that, um, you know, something we constantly want to come back to because it totally recharges us. So I just got this understanding, I guess, when I was there in the space. Um, one thing that I realized, and this is a teaching for me that I'd love, love to share with you guys, is that holding space, holding silent space 
for others and having compassion is an expression of unconditional love. So for me, if I want to try to kind of cultivate that unconditional love, things that I can actually do myself is try to yeah, hold space for others the best I can, right? Which always is going to change for everyone. Um, so yeah, I think that, and again, that's just a huge, that was a huge download for me and just trying to have that silent space, right? And be a listener. I thought that was just mind-blowingly important for me anyways to understand. And it was, it came and it landed in my body. I remember in that ceremony and I was like, aha, I, I got it now. Um, another thing is that we experience pain because God or the universe loves us. And pain is the teacher. I had this mantra going in ceremony as well. It was, love is eternal and compassion is king. After ceremony, I added to that, pain is the teacher. So it's interesting that we experience pain because God loves us. So through the act of spirit or through the limitations of spirit, um, we're going to essentially have things happen in our lives that will need us to address them. There will be painful, there will be adversity. And through that, we're able to love more, essentially. We're able to heal through through acknowledging those pains and hardships and all that. We're able to have a greater capacity to love ourselves and love others if we go about and heal ourselves with love. So kind of full circling around there. Love is what makes us cause the pains or God or love causes the pain. We learn from the pain and then our love heals the pain and it can help others and it can help us become a more full expression of ourselves on that physical, energetic or soul and spiritual bodies, right? So pain is a teacher and I'm always thinking it's the class you want to pass. That's for sure. Sometimes we take, you know, we get a master's degree in certain pain before we learn, right? And that's just our path. It is what it is. Sometimes once we learn the lessons, we're like, oh shit, I wish I would have learned this earlier, but just the way it goes, right? Um, getting those masters in pain from the school of hard knocks. And you know, some people need to learn the hard way. I know I have many times over and that's why I thought I would be here to share with you guys. So, um, but we'll talk more about the pain piece here in a minute. Um, again, I have been interested in this idea of love because of my time helping people. And sometimes I think this stuff's necessary because I see where a gap in love or where people stop loving themselves or hold back love for others. And I see how that impacts their health. And I see how the relationship between, say, not learning the lessons from pain, I see the relationship, I feel like that is increasing as we become more disconnected from nature. And if we were to get back in touch with nature and reconnect with the land, we're more easily able to accept the fact that life's wild, shit gets crazy. And uh, we love ourselves despite all the ups and downs. So a few more points here um, as kind of my big downloads. Um, one that I got here is no matter how much you love someone and want to, you know, you want to help them, um, they have to love themselves as much as you love them for it to work. If I love someone more than they love themselves and I'm trying to help them, it will often not work, or at least it will not be sustainable for me 
I burnt out many times and it was something I kind of, I had heard about and it registered, but it never really, I didn't have the tools per se or the experience to actually develop emotional intelligence many times over in my life, whether it was professionally working with clients or with loved ones in my life, trying to help people who didn't one, want help and two, wasn't possible because they needed to essentially want or be motivated to attain the goal they were after. Or maybe the, sometimes in some cases, the goal I was trying to put out there for them that wasn't even for them, right? So it has to come from within this self-love. And we have to have that to cultivate that so that we can bring our best to all of our relationships, right? So there's the rule of 50-50 is that I, I am one half of every relationship that I have. And for me to bring my best, fullest 50%, I have to be 100% in love with myself, doing the work that I need to do to be the best version of myself. And that's obviously going to change every day. And just being accepting that is part of the journey. But whatever you're at that day and you bring into a relationship, you know, we're all meeting at different levels of fullness on our 50%, right? So this is why this stuff's important. Knowing what we love, knowing what it's based in, yeah, and connecting to our full being so that we can bring our best into each relationship, right? This stuff is super important. And as we connect with nature or reconnect with nature, I find that it is more likely that we are in line with this way of thinking and doing and being. It's beautiful stuff. So again, I had been burnt out with working with clients. Um, and this burnout, it leads to you know, addiction, it leads to distraction, it leads to dis-ease, it leads to discomfort, um, and many, many, many expectations that we put on ourselves and others, right? If we are burnt out and if the flow, if we're not recharging ourselves or cultivating love, and I've been there through, you know, as we all have many ups and downs in life, right? So it's interesting to me that we actually notice an absence of love only when things are going rough, right? We don't notice these when things are going well. And this is a beautiful, amazing thing about the universe is that we're put in this situation to essentially figure out what we love, right? So what we're called towards, we will we will head towards those things if we are following our love and knowing what it's based in. What is it that I love, right? So having that self-love is so, so important. Yeah. And again, it's just a rem- remembering that it is always present. And that's that's kind of the hard part. I find it's during these rough times, actually, that, yeah, we can actually fully define what our love is. And then that right there, once we know what it is, that can pull us through those rough times. Right. And that's how we learn. Um, I feel like love is that love is increased and we have a greater capacity for love through working through any challenging times. Um one example that I think it always, I don't have kids. I'm also not a woman, so I'll never be able to actually birth a child. But the example of a mother's love for a child is something that is just amazing to me. And I remember being in that ceremony and experiencing my mom's love for me. And it was just a different level, like both mom and dad and very deep, but different qualities, right? And you think about it, mothers are getting ripped open to give birth to a child and the amount of pain and struggle that that must be to start that relationship just creates such depth and the huge capacity for this unconditional love, right? That we all have, like we have, we are all loved like that from, from birth. It is just inherent. It has to happen, right? So 
I mean, it's true in challenging times, we're summoned to resonate at this higher level. But there's, you know, other times in life where we can resonate at this level. Um, and it doesn't always have to necessarily be through pain, right? So like weddings, birthdays, celebra- celebrations are other times, right? But we wouldn't know that those times are full of love if we didn't experience the pain, right? So I just think it's um, important to know that going back to consciousness, becoming aware of itself, um, the pain piece is important for us to experience so that we know what love is, right? So we're becoming aware of ourself and what's painful to us so that we know what is what we love. We know what we don't. We know what is our angels. We know what is our devils. So through the challenging times, we have to be, we have to practice, we have to practice cultivating love. This is why going back to like meditative practices, spiritual practices, we have to remember that love is omnipresent and it grows in us through life challenges and we need to cultivate that love and bring it forward in our life so that we do not experience this pain over and over again. This is the, I believe in one of the intro episodes I had spoke briefly on the idea of spiritual ecology. And to me, this is what I would call spiritual permaculture. It's the idea of harvesting a sustainable crop of love that's always there, right? We're not trying to take love from other people. We're, we're refilling ourselves. We're staying open and accepting of this unconditional love that's always there if we just orientate ourselves to it and sustainably harvesting it and then giving it away. One of my teachers had said to me, and it stuck sticks with me, I'm not too sure where she got it from, but let love radiate without concern for results. I think it's beautiful because when we are recharging ourselves with love and we just let it flow from us, it's just an energy Things or good things are going to come our way. If we're orientated towards love rather than fear, we're going to experience a lot more love in our life. So that's the idea of spiritual permaculture. There is an episode that I would love to do in the future with someone in that regard. Um, the someone might very well be Paul Check. Paul, if you're out there, it would be an honor to pick your brain about love, to rap with you about love because... Um, in fact, I'm going to link a video, uh, come to think of it, um, to Paul Cech's, uh YouTube channel where he does a great uh, lecture on love as a primary foundation. Um, if you're interested in seeing Paul Cech, uh speak live, he's often at the CanFit Pro conference in Toronto, Ontario in August. Um, so yeah, always a great time there with Paul. It's where I had first got to meet him and spent basically every 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 lecture he did in 2009, I went and learned everything and then bought his book, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy, which again, I'll put in the show notes as it's um, kind of foundational or it has instructed anyways what I'm about to present to you guys in regards to the two types of love without further ado, because I've been talking about these two types a lot here and I haven't, I know we I've, I've mentioned the one is the unconditional state and the other one is the egoic state. All right, so with the all-conditional or the almighty love or the unconditional love or the capital L, capital O, capital V, capital E type love that is the fabric of the universe, there's no ego in this place. It's just an endless sea. We become a drop in the bucket. Like I said, once I kind of dip my toe into this outer edge of love, I didn't know that I was 
Sean Slade anymore. I did not believe to be. And I kind of forgot who I was and I thought I was never coming back um, when I was there because it's just so overpowering. It's just so powerful, this, this realm of love. I like how in that lecture that I will link Paul's uh, YouTube video, he says, uh, any perceived limitation is the work of spirit within the unconditional love realm, which I think is great. And I know, as Paul even, I think you might even say there, some people might not be keen on the idea of, you know, some spirit guiding us and, you know, teaching us. And that's totally fine. I guess if you don't subscribe to that uh, way of thinking, you're probably not still listening. But anyways, I think it's, it is very much um, kind of foundational to know that, yeah, we're going to have, we're going to be guided by spirit and we're going to run into things where we need to learn to make us grow, to fulfill whatever it is that we need to fulfill while, while we are here. So I already said, love is eternal and compassion is king. I'm going to chat more here in a minute about the tools and compassion, practicing compassion for self and others is one of the best ways we can cultivate this unconditional love field. And I'm actually reminded of a Ram Dass quote that I've recently come across that I really, really enjoy. And it's more to it than this, but essentially just find love in everything. Love is out there. It's in the rocks. It's in the wind. It's in the trees. Look for it and cultivate it from them or exchange, right? Um, it's not just about taking this from even trees and things like that. It's, it's an exchange. We breathe out, gives them some, gives them what they need to breathe in and and so is the breath of life, right? This this yin and the yang. They breathe out, we breathe it in. We breathe out, they breathe it in. Beautiful stuff. So that is essentially the unconditional realm, which I have talked a lot about, I guess, here today. The other one is the egoic realms of love. And that can be orientated in three different ways. The I, the we, and the world. So... At first, when we're born into this world, we're starting to develop a sense of who we are, what we love, right? Um, other than that, so it's our connection to mom and dad. We're looking up to them at first like they are gods, essentially trapped in, not to say trapped, but in this space of pure potential, unconditional love, right? Just being so helpless and then having parents come to you and take care of you to nurse you through those early stages of life. I mean, it's just at, at that point, it's nothing. We are essentially experiencing that unconditional love state it's when we start to develop and make our own decisions we start to experience love through the eye so i love this i love that um i don't love this i don't love that right we start to learn through pain um it can be a challenging time where we you know touch the hot stove and we learn that that's hot um and this is at this stage we have to fill ourself with love through trial and error, essentially, right? So we're trying to figure things out. Um, and it's sometimes hard to stay open and to receive love in this area where we start to kind of build the ego, essentially, right? So we're, we came from this unconditional love as a, as a baby, but then as we start to grow into a toddler and into a, a young child, we're essentially building the container that is the ego and starting to, this is helping us survive in the world. And... However, this can lead to inflated egos, which is very common in this day and age in Western culture. 
based on our individualistic values and material gain and whatnot, we happen to become very centered on the I. And unfortunately, many folks don't make it out of this stage and we keep learning. The pain teacher keeps showing up and we keep having to deal with the same old shit. And this is where we get a master's and a PhD and in whatever it is in, in choosing the wrong person or wrong lover or, um, you know, choosing the wrong job or what have you that's not allowing you to do what you love. Um, so we keep being reminded with pain. And I'm thinking back to like cancer. There's always healing in cancer. Um, now, unfortunately, sometimes people develop disease because others in their life need to learn how to love more fully or need to explore love. They need to experience that pain. So, and again, this might not be something everyone believes, but again, spirit kind of coming down. And unfortunately, some people are here as teachers and through their pain and their death, perhaps, others can learn to love more fully, right? So and I'm sure we've all kind of experienced this or heard stories of people coming together in death. And that is really, for me, it's part of what's influencing, for me, many experiences, one, my Costa Rica experience, but two, when looking at death this way, I, for me, I have a hard time actually even believing in death anymore because I see it as just a continuation on and their love is always present. It's just, again, what lens are we using to tap into it? I can't physically see my uncle anymore and talk to him, but spiritually, energetically, I can, I can have a conversation with him whenever I want. And from my journey, he actually gave me some pointers on how to, to, to do just that. We hunted together. So yeah, just looking up in the trees or looking down at the base of a tree, like turkey hunting and that is, is where I can find them, right? And it's just knowing that, it's just like knowing their address or their, their phone number. And, and you, you can cultivate love with them and, and still have that relationship. So it's beautiful thing, beautiful stuff. Um, in this stage, we are often, again, learning through trial and error. We're learning the difference between love and lust, or at least hopefully we're learning the difference between love and lust at a young age. As a young male in Western culture, um, given the current climate of uh, things, the death of the patriarchy, uh, this stuff is is very important. I think that we're all looking at it. what is love, what is lust um, for our jobs, you know, the earth. Right now, we've, we've lusted for many things Um within capitalism and it has destroyed the earth and our connection to it in the process. So understanding the difference between love and lust at this stage is very important. Next, we're at the we stage of love. So this is where we start to love. I love my family. So when we're in this realm of love, I say phases, there's no real hierarchy and we can bounce back and forth, I should say, between all these realms, but we kind of progress through them in some way, right? Um, throughout our life. So the we stage is, yeah, I love my, my hockey team or my tribe or my, um, my community. I love my family. I love my school friends, right? So it's kind of this we mentality. And in this day and age, this can become just like the I phase or realm of love comes with its pain, teacher challenges and whatnot. So does this phase of things. And as we are in the we phase, this is where we often see, you know, wars, us versus them. The whole wall belt building mentality that we are plagued with in this day and age is very, very, uh, is essentially it's a byproduct of suffering or not learning the lessons in this phase of love or in this realm of love. So um, once we're in the we phase for, say, long enough and given life experiences, 
And again, often coming with age, which I think is a beautiful thing about aging, the wisdom that comes with aging, we start to look at a more world view. And I like to think that this is the phase or, you know, this is the phase for me that kind of is why I'm interested in rewilding. I see, at least in in some circles anyways, this um, worldview way of aligning our life with nature, with the cycles of Mother Earth and being connected to the land and our local ecology and our local landscape, I see that as a very um, world's, worldly-centered view, right? Um, sure, there's like, you know, extremists and, you know, fundamental little like groups and pockets and things like that, that maybe within certain movements, as always, as I've, I've said many times, but for the most part, um, these types of things are worldviews, right? So same thing, uh, like veganism, for example, another worldview, okay? Um, and the cool thing when we're in this world view, it's kind of like the manifestation of the unconditional love realm in the physical. So let me explain. We essentially are still within our ego. We're still, I, Sean, am looking out at the world through a rewilding lens, say, for example, or I am, I am sending love out to all parts of the world, regardless of religious background, country, um, you know, whether or not they are uh, democratic, just sending out world love is something that is kind of very similar to what it feels like to be in that unconditional love state, or it's trying to act, trying to act in this way is our ego's version of practicing unconditional love, if that makes any sense. Um, I think in this phase, it's kind of, tiptoeing the line and remembering that the winds winds are always blowing the winds of love are always blowing we just have to like catch our sails with that current or with that frequency and when we're coming at things from a world stage it's i think a little bit more in line or easy for us to kind of accept that right so we've done the work hopefully on the eye level enough that we can actually the eye and the we level so i'm taken care of my family's taken care of my community, I'm involved in, you know, working with them. And then at the same time, I'm putting out love and yeah, putting out love to a world stage or a world view. And I think that is a super important um, place to kind of end up, I guess, if we're, if we're looking at how to cultivate more love and at least understanding when we're coming from these different views. I think this phase is a wonderful thing. All right, so going to get into some tools for you guys. Again, going to link the stuff there to Paul Check's videos. What is love, right? Deep stuff, as you can tell, as I as I talk about it, I think as anybody talks about it, um, it just gets deeper and deeper, and I think it's a conversation I can continually have. It's a question that I was so, so grateful and so happy that I had asked it in that ceremony. And to be shown everything that I was shown. It just confirms a lot of things that I think in say new age, spiritual um, self-help space to be able to have a knowing and a felt experience of what others, maybe other mystics and gurus might write about in books, but to have an actual experience of it is super amazing and special. And I'm glad to have had it. One little note that I have here, I'm just looking down at my journal. Another thing that I had was love from where you are are at or another way of saying this is learn from where you are at right so we love from where we're at with these stages of love and um 
in those stages, we learn from them, hopefully. And we apply what we learn and we continue progressing through levels of consciousness so that we can be of more service to each other and to this planet. So unconditional love is key. But this is a point that I want to make here before I get into these tools. Unconditional love is key, but we can't have people sucking our energy, right? We can't be... We can't let people just drain us, right? So we have to put up boundaries and barriers. And this is something that we learn to do, again, through pain. I've had much pain um, throughout my life, and it's because I did not put boundaries up or barriers for myself and for others. And this is such important stuff when you're doing spiritual work, I think, is to know where your boundaries are, right? And, I mean, obviously always exploring the edges and things like that in our life, Um yeah, always knowing exactly where the boundaries are. We can't have people just un sucking our energy. So with that said, if you've got people sucking your energy, what can we do? Well, choose, choose who you're hanging out with, one. But let's talk about some tools for you guys as we wrap this up here. Almost, we're pretty much at the hour mark. Self-love, most important. It's the most important thing we can practice. Anything that's going to increase self-love is a great thing. Take care of self and hold space for others. I had already said that. But if we take care of ourselves and we put ourselves first, it's not selfish, right? If our intent is to help ourselves be our best so that we can do this, all this stuff we're talking about, giving unconditional love, having a world perspective with our love, then yeah, self-love is very important. It's not at all selfish. For me, one thing that I have to do is be kind and gentle with myself and others. If I'm kind and gentle with myself or the degree to which I'm kind and gentle with myself will determine the degree to which I'm kind and gentle with others. So if I want to treat others gently, I have to be gentle on myself, not be so harsh on myself. And I think many of us out there, this probably resonates with many of us out there, right? So another thing we can all do to cultivate love is do what you love. Do what you fucking love. Do it big. Do it all the time without expectations, right? So we put expectations on ourselves. Oh, I have to get a job. I have to do this. All those, you know, keep up with the Jones type civilized, air quotes, civilized things that keep us domesticated. Suppress the wild soul, right? Do what you love and don't put expectations on yourself to be doing anything outside of that. On yourself, don't put expectations on yourself and definitely don't put expectations on others because this limits the flow of love, this unconditional love that's always there. And again, we're going to put boundaries up and things like that, but try not to put expectations on others. Um, this only creates pain and hardship and it sets us up for the opposite of unconditional love vibes. So, Always need to accept and receive. It's not something that you can just give, give, give. I'm saying this from experience of overgiving and burning myself out. Um, you need to accept in order to receive and back and forth, right? So that's the way that goes. Um, learn from pain and don't recreate, right? I think I've said this a few times now. It's natural that we some lessons come harder. So if we're continually experiencing pain in our life or random illness and things like that, there are ways you can get a handle on that. Sit with it, right? Sit in silence. And I think another thing in order to not recreate pain is that we don't need to identify with it. We don't need to identify with past pains, traumas, and things like that. We can embrace love, orientate, and identify with our loves in our life and not our fears and our pain, right? I think all too often... 
we like to get together and, and, you know, kind of drown ourselves in, in pity in that with other people who might be experiencing same pain. And that can be part of the process and part of the journey, but it's not a place we want to stay in for too long and refeel old pains. No, understand, you know, the old pain, understand its nature, but come to an understanding and let it go and then see what you learned from that and now what it is that you love, right? So I think that's very, very important. And this isn't the norm. I understand that in this day and age that we are much more identifying with, you know, our diabetes or our low back pain or whatever it may be. And we're bringing that, we're breaking silence with that. One thing that another teacher had said to me once is let, um, may the words you choose be wiser than the silence that they break. And I think that's beautiful. Don't break silence with some, oh, my pain or all the old complaints, right? What do you love? I mean, we can, if you want to see complaints and destruction and death, just turn on the five o'clock, six o'clock news. You'll, you'll get a good hour of it, right? Um, one thing I want to read here is this one blurb I have about adversity. So through adversity and pain, and I think this is a great tool, through adversity and pain, we are able to love more fully for self and others. Um, but however, this is not so without gratitude, all right? We have to be, and this is kind of, again, talking about not identifying with pain. We have to be grateful for the bitter because without it, we would not be conscious of the sweet, right? So without pain, we would not be able to feel love from an individual, essentially, from an individual or ego, egoic standpoint, right? Without the pain, we wouldn't be able to experience it. We wouldn't be able to know it. This is why the ego is a good thing, right? So I've said this many times, ego, not necessarily the enemy, the wounded ego can be an enemy, but this is why an ego is good because I am able to point my flashlight of love towards what I want, right? By experiencing pain, I know what is good. I know what is what I want in my life. Love is in all, but through consciousness, we have ability to control the flow of love in our relationships, right? It's in all through consciousness we have the ability to control our love, right? So as I said before, we don't want to necessarily stop the flow, but we will come from whatever phase or realm of love we are in, right? So um, yeah, the dog, the people at work, we're going to control how much we're loving in each situation, I guess. And so anyways, where I'm going with this one is gratitude. One of the biggest things, practices or the best practices I have found for working through pain is by gratitude journaling and being grateful and actually practicing gratitude for your pain. This is the one. This is the one and only. This is pretty much the last one I'm going to read today because I think if there's one thing and one thing only, um, gratitude journaling is something I want to chat more about in future episodes. And specifically, we want to write down what we're grateful for and then why we're grateful for it. That is the important part here. So write, I am grateful for my pain, illness, whatever it is, because it teaches me that I need to take care of myself better. So for example, me, I have a gallstone. I've had it for about 10 years. It comes and goes. It's something I keep an eye on with occasional like ultrasounds, right? And I know that if I'm burning the candle at both ends, working too hard, not taking care of myself well, then I can feel I'm in touch enough with my body that I can actually go in and say, oh yeah, that thing's doing its thing, right? So for me, it's a warning sign. It's a pain teacher saying, hey, I'm still here. Remember, 
take a break, right? So if I'm able to actually say thank you and be truly grateful for that, I learn and I do things that that take care of myself so that the gallstone shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. And then, you know, a good old coffee enema or a good old little uh, liver and gallbladder cleanse and things like that, right? And having that as a basis or having that as tools in my tool belt if things progress and I really need to get on it. Because again, life happens, right? So it's these flows, but I've, I've learned, I've had the attacks before. And I also have the understanding or I know the importance of a gallbladder. So I'm not <laughs> going to continually damage myself so that I have to get it removed or something like that. I'm going to listen to the pain teacher. But anyways, I think that's it for today, folks. I am totally gassed. I'm actually stoked right about now. I'm getting ready for another interview. So I'm going to go recharge myself with some love energy somehow. I'm going to go, I think, for a little hike and uh, tap into some of that. I hope this was beneficial for you guys. I hope you got something out of it. I... Had a lot of fun talking about this stuff with you guys. Um, but let me know. I think that's the reason why I wanted to do this. I wanted to share my love for love with you guys. What do you think about love? Um, have you experienced love like this? Was this too far out? Did this have anything to do with health? Rewilding? I hope so. Maybe. But anyways, that's love to me. And remember, all we need is love. In fact, that is my wildest dream for the earth for all of you guys it's a question i ask a lot of guests actually it's a question that i mean to ask every guest but i don't always do that um but yeah what is your wildest dream and for me my wildest dream is that we are all doing what we truly love from that space of unconditional love it's coming through us we are expressing it and we have a world full of people that are essentially doing just that shining their light on what they love to make it a better place so I think if we're doing that, it's all going to be in sync with the flows of nature. We will probably be more connected with nature, or I know we would be. So that's my dream for you guys. Let's get it. Your dream, that is. <laughs> all right, this one's over. You guys stay wild. And I love you. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rewild My Bio podcast. Please subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating if you've enjoyed this episode. I would greatly appreciate it if you shared the show with your friends, if of course you think they would like it. You can also visit rewildmybio.com to download previous episodes and sign up for the newsletter. In the newsletter, I share blogs and bonus content from my health promotion research, along with practical tips to help you rewild in a modern world. Please follow along on Instagram and Facebook at RewildMyBio and on Twitter at Sean Slade. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, stay wild.